Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. What's up, everybody? Are you rolling? Because, yes, okay. I am. Just want to make sure. I got you taken care of. Well, uh, let's calm down there. That's why I qualified it by saying <laughs> this time. <laughs> hey, big events going on in the area. You had the tour of Utah just just concluded. Oh, North did it just Logan. end? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, just in the last little bit. Uh, How did Lance Armstrong do? Did he finish? That's always the question. I don't think he was involved this year. Probably a good thing. Probably. But uh, I was watching some of the uh, the, the coverage of it, uh, seeing neighborhoods that I've familiar with that I've driven around oh, through. Oh, stop. Going right through like oh, residential neighborhoods. Oh my gosh, listen to you. Yeah, I used to bike through that neighborhood right there. There's a uh, there's a slight slope on the left. Got to watch out for that thing. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... Um, so it was cool though. I mean, seeing these riders, professional riders going around Cache Valley. Now tomorrow they will be in Box Elder County in the early part of the stage two. Uh, then they'll proceed to head into Weber County, then up into Ogden Valley, and then finish up at Powder Mountain. And that's a grueling, that's got to be a grueling climb. That's a steep incline. Have you ever driven up the Powder Mountain? Usually when you go skiing, you drive to the base of the mountain, and then the, the ski lifts like take you up from there. Like Powder Mountain's almost opposite. Like you go to the top of the mountain and you ski down practically. Mm-hmm. So it's a very different setup. You know, I uh, back in my biking days, <clears throat> uh, I used when you were to training wheels. Yeah, well, you know, and and I used to uh, used to commentate for biking. Yeah, there he is with the uh, nice calves. He's uh, up the hill now, man. Look at him, look at him flow. He's like he's walking on water here, Jim. He's walking on water. I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, I used to be able to uh, do the old biking thing, training wheels off and everything. Had my little bell, my horn, um, and I was good. I was good. For about three years, and then I quit. Decided that I needed to move on and dominate another sport. So I chose flag football, and it became tackle football. So I quit, and now here I am doing radio with you. I and and it's more risk than reward when it comes to biking, you know. Because and and by the way, I've never had good luck with bikes. Like you know, something breaks. And then I'm, you know, I'm going down 90 down a hill and then I hit the curb and, you know, it's just, it's bad from there. And I don't remember a whole lot from there on out, but my biking memories were never good. So congrats to all those who have survived. I'm glad you didn't crash. And they had good biking memories, we hope. Oh yeah, I'm sure they did. Yeah, all right. Especially uh, coming through here. So we have our own resident, uh, what's the term? Veloist? I don't know. Is that the proper term? Did you term? call him a fellowist? People who ride you know bikes. What? <laughs> Compared to what I just saw happen today, fellowists I take with a vote of confidence. These guys are amazing. I like to ride my bike. Yeah. So Greg uh, is a guy who works here with us. He rides his bike a lot, and uh, <laughs> he's unloaded just so he needs our expert. Yeah, he, he knows. He knows the drill. So uh, Greg, you were there for much of the day today. Uh, the race just concluded there in North Logan. What was that finish like? It was absolutely mayhem. It's just exactly what you think. All the pundits were saying that they thought it was going to be a group finish, 
because they didn't think there was enough elevation gain to be able to um, break apart the group. But with five laps around North Logan, it actually pulled apart into the final with about five guys. One guy broke away. He actually almost made it, but then was swallowed up by four other people. I can't even tell you exactly who won because it was just so recent. The scary part is when the group came in, there was one of the riders, I believe he's on Trex, uh, Trex Cycling Team, which is a um, tour team, which has $50, $60 million budget. He went down really hard, and he's getting medical treatment right now because he got he went down, a bike hit him in the back of the head, and I'm, all, I'm just hoping he's going to be okay. There were multiple wrecks along the course today, but it was amazing to watch. How do you avoid that? I mean, is that or is it impossible to avoid such dangerous contact or dangerous wrecks like that? You can't avoid it. What they call in the sprinters game is exactly that. These sprinters come in with team guys leading them in at 40 plus miles an hour on a bike. And then they will break for the finish line and increase four or five miles an hour from that. It's not uncommon to see 45 miles an hour on a flat road. Um, I don't know how if you know how fast that is on a bike with your own generated watts, but it is a lot of power, and there's people all around you. There are shoulders being touched. There are elbows being thrown. It's basically NASCAR on wheels, and, and if you've ever watched any of the Tour de France, you will watch people get seriously injured. The rider that went down hard, he is finishing the race. He's, his entire back is covered in road rash. He's got a great big nose thing with a huge nosebleed. He oh. looks like he's okay, but he has to finish the race in order to qualify to ride tomorrow. Otherwise, he's uh, taken out of the race. So does in he fact, have to do it on bike, or can he walk across the finish line? Uh, he could walk, but he was that close. So he actually finished the race on his bike. Wow. But every rider here is given a time limit. Today, they figured 8% is all that you could be behind the winning group. So the winning group's time, you would take 8%. Say you had to finish within about 15 minutes of the finish time. Otherwise, you're kicked out of the race. Ooh, so you got you can't be too far behind then? No, you can't. It's yeah. just like when you watch Tour de France or um, Tour of Spain or the Giro Italia. There are times, and every day there are riders who actually don't make it, and they are not allowed to ride up, uh, line up the next day. So I guess in the, as the course of the as the race progresses from day to day, it could the, the field of, of participants could thin as yes, you get it does thin further because further. people don't make it to the finish line in time. It generally does, but generally there's sprinter days and there are hill climbing days. The Tour of Utah is known as the toughest road state or the toughest race in North America. It has got, I believe, we're talking forty some odd thousand feet of climbing. Today was just minor. It was. Uh, 86.9, so basically 70 miles. Um, it headed out from the Green, Can- Green Canyon um, area to uh, Trenton, around the Trenton Hill by Newton Reservoir, came back in. And then the fascinating thing today is people were able to be able to see what we would call a circuit race as they went up North Logan into the neighborhoods up in Canyon Ridge, up on 16th East. They did that five times. And many of the so-called experts said that the hill is not steep enough or long enough to break it up, but they were so wrong. After the fifth hill, this 120-person field was exploded. Um, There were riders all along the course. In fact, it was finished seven minutes and ten seconds ago, and I'm watching a group of riders come in right now, probably five or six guys come in right now. 
So there's riders still trying to get across the line. Yeah, there are riders still coming in to finish to be able to race tomorrow. And tomorrow's race is huge. This was considered a sprinter stage. And so there was, the group was supposed to stay together on this, but the hill actually surprised them going up what they would, I believe it's North Logan, 3400 North, and it's Hyde Park, 2nd East. It goes up into, up from uh, Green Canyon all the Ridge. way up that road. Yeah, it goes up to Mahogany Ridge. It goes across 16th and then comes down, ends up on 2500 North, and then went across and came that direction. So it went through some real neighborhoods. And it was such a joy to be able to see the helicopter that was following them because you could see beautiful neighborhoods. You see people sitting out on their driveways, on their lawns, enjoying the race and being able to see it. It was incredible as far as the helicopter footage of what our valley looks like. And this goes to, they estimate 400,000 homes worldwide. I was in Italy a couple of years ago doing some biking with some friends. And when we said that we were from Utah, many of them from France, Germany, we were biking with these people. They, they immediately said the tour of Utah. They knew about Utah because of this race. What's the most difficult part? And maybe you asked, this, but what, you talked about the hill. Is that the most difficult part of this race? Generally, hills are what separates climbers and what they consider to be sprinters. But when you talk about the difficulty of the race, these guys did an 86-mile course today at an average of between 28 and 30 miles an hour was the average. So they were seeing speeds well above 30 miles an hour most of the day, except for when they hit the hills. There's more riders coming in. We're talking nine minutes later. Um, and so just staying in the peloton at those speeds takes a lot of effort. And if you've got GC, which means um, you've got general classification contenders, you want to keep your guy at the front of the field. And so you have to be very awake of what's going on and seeing what happens. So you're pushing a lot of walks. These guys are finely tuned athletes. A lot of them are quite young. I mean, they're anywhere from 18 to probably 30 years old. Uh, the average age or the youngest that just won the Tour de France was 22 years old. He was from Colombia, the youngest ever. Most of those guys are 25 and older because it takes years of riding at that level to be able to create the muscle mass to finish your three-week tours. This, but this race here, there's only other one other race in the United States classified at this level, and that's the Tour of California that happens in the spring. So there's this one and the Tour of California, and that's why this is such a monster professional event. Uh, Greg, so the, um, the, the these riders, as we had mentioned, they go on, they do another stage tomorrow. Then they, how many more stages are there in this tour of Utah? There's actually six more stages tomorrow. To give you an idea, um, tomorrow they are doing from Brigham City. Um, I believe it's called the Brigham City to Powder Mountain Resort uh, stage, and so tomorrow you're looking at another 84 miles, but the elevation climb on that is absolutely massive. If you've ever ridden your car up that, um, it's, it's, some cars have a hard time getting up to Powder Mountain, and these guys are going to ride a, a bike up it. And then what, was the, what was it like, the spectators? I mean, was there a good showing of, of people there who were on the finish line or along the course that you were able to observe? You know, there really was. Here at the finish line, you had an amazing attendance that, was right here seeing the start-finish, which, again, five times around, you saw what was going on the entire time. 
there were people um, lined up all throughout North Logan along the course cheering. There were tents up along 2nd East Hyde Park with people um, grilling and doing things that were fun. Um, it, was a, it was a real event. Here at the start-finish line, there were bouncy houses for kids to do. They did a kids' race at the beginning is, with everything. There's a, a roaming. Um, they throw prizes out to people. There were tents, um, activities for people to do, stores, merchandise to buy. It's a full-fledged a- event. Uh, was it, and that kind of leads into my final question for you, uh, Greg. What you've seen this event take place for uh, how many years, but what if, what is the feeling like? What has the popularity been like from way back when to where it is now in regards to cycling, more specifically the Tour of Utah? Cycling is always a sport that I think a lot of people don't understand because it's just not <laughs> what we consider to probably be, you know, football, basketball, baseball. But, you know, it's, there are a lot of cycling people that love the sport of cycling. But it's not like Europe where people follow it. Like Holland, it's the national sport. It's, it's, it's their NBA. Uh, and same with many other national countries. There are a lot of riders here. People love to ride in Cache Valley. The nice thing about Cache Valley, and we hope that people understand that Cache Valley really is becoming known as a place or a destination for healthy sports activities. There's there's running, there's Tour of Utah, there's biking with multiple events during the season. And if people only knew the amount of rooms that are rented and money that is brought in from these type of events, it really supports the community of Cache County in a big way. Matoja is another one that rise from race from Logan to Jackson Hole. I mean, it fills up every room in the uh, in the vicinity and even into Brigham City. Well, pretty cool event to, to have Tour of Utah here in Logan and Cache Valley again. Uh, third time that it's been been here. Uh, and a really different feel this time where people could be more, I guess, more close and intimate to what was going on with the race for the entirety of Stage 1. So really cool to have a, a perspective on the ground. And Greg, we really appreciate the insights. And uh, go enjoy what else is going on there with the post-race festivities. There's a lot of things still happening. If you didn't have a chance, the race starts tomorrow in Brigham City. If you want to follow the race, every night it's on Channel or KJAZ TV um, in the evening. They give a recap. If you want to see Cash Valley in the light of what the world saw, take a look at that show and also follow the race on Tour of Utah Tour Tracker. That'll give you everyday live feed of what's going on in the state of Utah. Cool. Very awesome. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate the insight. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Okay. Thanks, Greg. That's uh, Greg Roper. He's uh, he's an employee here, uh, and he's a he's a bicyclist. He participates in a lot of these different races and, and rides. Uh, he v- gets very geeked up about <laughs> the tour of Utah, uh, and uh, has been very close with some of the things in the lead up to it. So very cool to get that perspective. Of what went on? Uh, I know that if you were in those areas affected by the race, it maybe affected your ability to get around a little bit. But um, hope you were patient with it all. And recognize it's a really cool thing that's only coming through for one day and then it's gone. But uh, Tour of Utah, uh, just concluding, uh, racers were originally expected to finish at about 345, but uh, that uh, hill hill climb in North Logan that they had to keep doing over and over again slowed things down a bit, more than they originally anticipated. So riders started coming through right at about 4 o'clock and uh, some riders still coming through. So... 
Uh, it's still going to be a little bit uh, clogged up, especially in that area around Green Canyon High School, uh, the Georgia Seckles Ice Arena. Uh, so that's uh, a, a, the main hub of what's going on with some of the festivities. And if you missed it or if you want to see more of it again, it will stage two begin in Brigham City on Main Street there in front of their cl- uh, uh, historic courthouse. And that's uh, expected to begin about 1220. They'll head north for a little bit, do about a 30-mile loop, and then come back through on a sprint right back down Main Street and then head over onto Highway 89, go through Perry and Willard on their way into Weber County before they head up into the Ogden Valley. So still other opportunities to check out the riders and the tour of Utah tomorrow. So very cool to see what happened there. I know we had photographers and others that were on the scene, and uh, we'll be getting some information and sharing some of that on cashvalleydaily.com. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, we'll look at high school football, Region 11 football. It's getting underway this Friday, and with the new RPI system, there are no two seasons within the football season. There's no non-conference and then a chance to reset for region play because it's all about RPI. Every game matters when it comes to who goes and who doesn't go to the postseason. So we will look at... Each team in Region 11 give you a preview of what we see out of those teams and our our rankings as well. I'd love to get your uh, your debate on that as well. We'll we'll love to get the the impact input and how you agree or disagree with what we have to say about high school football in the area. So that's coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson, Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. Be quiet. Shut the music off. I said off. Oh, sorry. Went the wrong way. You are clearly unprofessional this time. Uh, but by the way, really good before I get to my question, I want to ask you a question. But before we get to that, thanks to Gray Roper for joining us. Wait, I want to ask you a question before I get to my question. Oh, no. Okay, no. I said, but before I get to my question. Okay. You can ask your question and then get to your I'm question. glad we're rolling because we're going to replay that and you're going to be like, oh, I'm deaf. Whoopity da. That's why I call you the temp. Anyways, um, thanks to Greg. <laughs> such a jerk. <laughs> thanks to Greg Groper for joining us to talk bicycling. I'm not, I've never been a big bicyclist, um, but uh, appreciate him. I'm glad that dude's okay, whoever wiped out. Yeah, it's never fun to crash on a bike. Yeah. I, oh. I mean, these are world-class athletes. These guys are flying What's the bike. worst bike wreck you've ever gotten into? And this isn't my real, real question, but what's the worst bike wreck you've ever gotten into? Uh, one that tore up my leg and had to get a bunch of stitches. Okay, so weak. Okay. Well, mine, I you was- walk uh, for like a month? Oh, yes. Wow. It tore muscle. Man. You're really <laughs> like LeBron with cramps in the NBA Finals, huh? It wasn't cramps. It was Jeez. deep cut. Oh, okay. Put a Super Mario Band-Aid on it and you'd be fine. Okay. Mine was, I, I was actually going down a hill, really big hill, and my brakes didn't work. So I had to turn into a yard. And I flew past the yard and I just drilled this tree. Just, 
Oh man, I clocked it because I was gonna jump off, but I was too scared. So I like kind of turned my bike, and I just oh man, the tree didn't move, and I did, <laughs> and it just didn't go well. Okay, did so you get stitches. Uh, yeah. Did you um, break anything? No, I've never broken a bone in my life. Wow. Okay. Good. Um. Hey. So my real question is this: three one AJ zero. <laughs> bike three Eric zero. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who are the three worst analysts, like sports analysts, radio or TV, in your opinion? The three worst analysts? Yeah. And I did want to ask you during the break because oh, I... I don't know. I want to... I, want I don't you to keep ro- track of that stuff. Well, you should. Why not? I should? Yeah. I don't. I mean, who would you... I mean, if if it was between... Listening if to the guy radio. Bugs me, it's not like I'm making some mental. If note, it was between listening I'd to the radio the and having your fingernails ripped off by a, a dinosaur, and you would take the dinosaur ripping your fingers off <laughs> because you didn't want to listen to the three guys on the radio. Wow, that's pretty brutal. I would take Nick Wright, um. Because he guarantees everything that deals with LeBron is going to go LeBron's way, and it doesn't. He's he's a LeBron lover. Um, I take Nick Wright. I take. You know, Max Kellerman doesn't annoy me as much as he used to. I take Chris Sims. Chris Sims is just full of himself and has no idea what he's talking about. He's a guy who used to be a professional football quarterback turned radio because he sucked at his first job and he's even worse than his second job. Oh, okay. okay. So I was thinking you were talking about like color analysts. Oh, no, that'd be easy. Bill Walton, Bill Walton, and Bill Walton. (laughs) Did you see he's going to be doing a a Major League Baseball game? No. Stop it. Yes. Uh -uh. He's going to be sharing poetry during their broadcast. Please tell me it's for Cubs. Please tell me it's for the Cubs. No. (laughs) This for the, it is a Chicago team involved, but it's not the Cubs. Is it the White Sox? Is he doing it for the Field of Dreams game next year? No. Oh man, that would have really ruined that, that moment. Would have been really weird. Um, dude, yeah, no, not color analysts. I'm talking about like radio personality people. Oh, in that case, I would say Skip Bayless. I love Skip. He gives good stats. And by the way, Skip gives facts Number with, one, two, and with three. his debates. No way. Yeah. Skip gives the uh, facts. I never for this listen debate. to him, and when I, the chance comes up where I, I listen to him or I see him, I'm reminded why I never listen to him or watch him. Uh, I would take no. Nick Wright is worse than Skip, and that's saying something. But Chris Sims is just horrible. Um, and then oh, who'd be my third guy? Man, that's ooh. I don't know. Actually, Mad Dog isn't that good either. I don't like Mad Dog. Maybe that'd be my third. I was going to say Max Kellerman, but I'm kind of starting to just figure out that he's just flat out fake. He's just saying it to be able to get you to be, no, you know. I mean, when I say that Kyle Van Noy is better than Bobby Wagner, I have facts with it. When he says that um, Baker Mayfield is greater than Tom Brady, he just says it because he thinks he likes the way his beard looks. So, yeah, Mad Dog, Nick Wright, and Rob Parker. And by the way, Rob Parker will be on right after our show, so you can you listen like to him. Rob Parker. Oh, dude, he's so full of him. He shouldn't even be on a show. What? He has no credibility, and especially when he talks, he has no credibility. 
I think he's all right. He knows his baseball for sure. Great, but they don't talk enough baseball. They don't talk about much baseball. They're too busy talking LeBron and Chris Broussard is definitely an NBA what, guy. What what did Dak Prescott have for dinner? And is that is that gonna affect <laughs> his 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 Super Bowl contention? I mean, it's it's yeah. But and that's the other thing, is that guys who are good at talking about, you know, Rob Parker with baseball, Nick Grout with basketball, or just that kind of stuff, or Chris Carter with football. When Chris Carter talks anything other than football, he's horrible. So, yeah, I would, oh, man, that's... Was there anything that, like, prompted this Yeah, I, I just read a tweet from Chris Sims saying that he feels like Tannehill is better than Marcus Mariota. Or more athletic, I should say. He's the same guy who has this bitter revenge for Tom Brady. He, like, he cannot... I mean, in, like Tom Brady will win a Super Bowl, and he'll be like, Tom Brady is the worst quarterback in NFL history, and he proved it once again by winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> well, Chris, you were the moron who played in Tampa Bay and couldn't even win your job. The only reason why he has a job is because he was a quarterback in the NFL. That's a that's a really a lot of reasons why some of these guys have jobs. Like Chris Carter, he was a receiver, and he's in the Hall of Fame. So that's it. Like, uh, did, well, that stands for something. I mean, they played the game. They understand yeah, but what it they, means to win. Th- no, but but don't don't let they them understand. have a mic in front of their mouth talking about something else other than that sport. I get it. Randy Moss talking about football on Sunday Night Football is perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yes. You have him talk about basketball or baseball or golf, it's probably going to go sideways. But have Jason Wynn talking about football was actually okay. Tony Romo was incredible. Yeah, he was. He was great. But don't let a guy, especially someone as unathletic as Nick Wright or someone as dumb as Chris Sims, put a mic in their mouth and let them speak just trash. You know what's going to be crazy is in 10 years when I leave this company and I go work for some Fox Sports or whoever, people are going to be saying the exact same thing about me. (laughs) Well, it's very possible that guys can learn other sports and become more familiar with them. But they don't. Like, actually, no, I can't tell that story right now here on air. They can't. I'll give another really good can't. example for you off the air and see if we're allowed to talk about it on the air. But I'm uh, going to use Doug Gottlieb. I don't always love Doug Gottlieb. Oh, okay. There's a good one. Okay. Great college basketball guy. Uh, he certainly knows anything basketball. I think mm-hmm. he can give great insight there. But he's done sideline reporting for the NFL. And they don't just throw him in there because uh, I guess we got nobody else that can do it. I mean, he... He put in a lot of work and effort to try to figure that out and become available and enhance his abilities. So there are other guys that can do that. It takes a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of feedback, criticism, critique. If they want to become multifaceted, absolutely they can. They're going to have their strengths and their weaknesses. They have to be careful to avoid landmines. Yeah, but there will be plenty there. Problem is that a lot of these guys don't avoid landmines. They want to step right on it and then watch their whole entire yeah. I get that. Credibility some guys explode. Think because I'm uh, I was an expert or an athlete in this field. Ergo, I know about what it means to be an athlete. Yes, in every uh, yeah. There, that's a sport. great point. Extremely good point. And I got to use ergo, which I don't often use. But I mean, <laughs> you know, what my favorite thing to do is 
is to look at like, oh man, Skip Bayless is on vacation this week. Dang it. As I always love to read what he's going to talk about on his show and then the replies to it. I love on Twitter, like reading the replies to some of these personalities because a lot of them are just making fun of the guy. Anyways, anyways, Chris Sims came up and it said that he, th- he thinks that Ryan Tannehill is more athletic than Marcus Mariota, which is could not be further from the truth. Just, and I, it just annoyed me. All right, sorry, we're going to talk. Are you done now? Yeah, we're done. Like, that's not as bad as your eight-minute spill about bicycling yesterday. That was, that I was re-listened public, to that today, that was and I just, I was service. laughing. I was laughing so hard. Listen, I was listening to that on my way to work today, and I was like, oh, man, this is good stuff. <laughs> you you so wanted me to be done, and I had more to give. I did not want you to be done. I thought you, you were doing it. You looked me like, really? No, no. I mean, look. Really? Why are you giving more useful information to our audience? Oh, stop it. Why are you Don't giving other try ways to make for me people the bad to guy. find out what's happening in their neighborhoods? Let's stop doing that and talk more about me. Oh, another bad personality? Chris Broussard. Horrible. And the whole thing with like that whole spat with Kevin Durant was annoying. Like, yeah, me and Kevin been texting for hours. Kevin's like, no, we haven't. Oh, I've got my, you know, DMs on Twitter. Dude, this guy, man, he's so full of it. I think there's pressure for some people to try to be a source, especially when there's a big hot item, news item. They feel like they need to be involved, and uh, anytime they get even a, a wink or a nod, they think that means something. There's such pressure to be in yeah, the know. They're like that needy BYU kid who needs a girlfriend, and as soon as the first girl looks at him in church and, you know, and smiles and says hello politely, guy's like, that's it, that's the girl, I'm going to marry her. You know, that's, it's, just, it's, it's just like that. I'm sure it's just like that. Oh, look at you protecting the BYU world. This, no, it's not, <laughs> not about that. All right, this interesting rant is uh, brought to you by Ajay Salveson. <laughs> hey, I took up a full segment, man. You're welcome. <laughs> I didn't know that I needed the help. <laughs> Eventually, we will get to interesting content. We will. That stat, was interesting. Stat of the day, or stat that blew our minds. You made it uninteresting by blowing me off. Player of the week. It's a normalcy on our show. It's called this blow-off segment. And also, we'll get into Region 11 football. We'll preview each team in Region 11 and then give our predictions. It's when I bring up really good concerns and he just totally ignores me. How we think the whole thing might go down. That's coming up on the Full Court Press. I can't wait. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. this i got sucked down a rabbit hole the other day this is good who is this tame impala and i got dude i like i got sucked into this (laughs) looking up all their albums 
No joke? Listening to all their different songs. They've got some really interesting stuff. Uh, just word of the wise, I wouldn't watch some of their official <laughs> videos. That's usually how it goes. <laughs> oh, it's usually how Especially it goes. Especially the one for this song. But um, find it where you can just listen to the music and not have to worry about watching the video and you'll be you'll be all right. Which is usually the case when you do listen to music, right? I mean, you're not really there for the video. Unless it's Taylor Swift. <laughs> then you're there for the video and the music. But in this case, you're not. Or Mariah Carey. Or Rihanna. <laughs> You've got quite a list going over there. Oh, yeah, you seen their music videos? <laughs> no. Oh, jeez. Here you going to freaking... a good thing. Here are you going to parent mode. <laughs> Call. <laughs> jeez. Uh, hey, Region 11 football starts this Friday night. I'm excited. Um, I'll be in Salem Hills with AJ Knight calling the game for Mountain Crest versus Salem Hills. I'll be doing the color stuff. Uh, AJ will be doing the play-by-play. Excited to work with AJ. I, I really am. That's going to be fun. I'm not excited about the drive. That drive is going to be brutal. We're figuring about three hours? Yeah, from where I'm going to be to there. Oh, That'll be fun. Man, in traffic. But um, here's the rundown. Bear River is at home. They're yep. hosting Juan Diego. Yep. So we got a new broadcast crew there. Yep. Tommy Sorensen and Logan Jones. Uh, they were on the Coaches and Community Show yesterday, last night, on 104.9 The Ranch. Uh, there's also Skyview. That's got John Newbold. He'll be calling games there again, but he's got a new partner. Rex Davis will be his new color analyst. That should be really fun. Those two really do their homework. So that'll be a really good broadcast. So Skyview will be at Stansbury. Right here, we'll broadcast it right here on 106.9 The Fan, 1390 AM. Green Canyon, they're going to be uh, at home hosting Tooele. Craig Hislop will be on the call there again. He's got a new broadcast partner. Who's his guy? John Russell. Our good friend, John Wait, Russell. Wait, Johnny U, really? Yeah, Jay Russ. He's going to join uh, Craig Hislop. What? That'll be on 100.9 FM. Maybe I'll skip my game and just listen to them. <laughs> Could be entertaining. <laughs> uh, Logan High, they're at Provo. Al Lewis will be on the call there. Uh, he's going to have a new wingman. Casey Mangum is going to join uh, Al Lewis this season. Uh, but Logan will be heard on 610 AM, 102.1 FM. Ridgeline will be at home Friday. They'll be hosting Pineview. Dave Simmons will be on the call there again on 104.5 FM. Uh, Nick Zollinger will be his color guy. That'll be fun. Nick helped him out a couple different times last year. They sounded good together. And then Mountain Crest at Salem Hills, as you were talking about, that'll be on 107.7 FM, all taking place Friday nights. You can see all of it online, the full schedule, links, radio stations. It's all there on cashvalleydaily.com. So um, let's do this. There's six different teams in this region. Before we go through and give our predictions, how we think who's going to finish one through six, uh, let's give a little snapshot of what we know of each team. Yes. Uh, since you're going to be calling games for Mountain Crest, you want to start with the Mustangs? Yeah. So Mountain Crest is really going to be kind of an interesting team. Uh, Tatum Burbank will be coming back to quarterback. Uh, he was absent last year from the team. He'll be back this year. Uh, that's something that bodes well for Jason Lee and his staff. They're excited about that. The running back situation is going to be really interesting. It's going to be more of a running back by committee. 
Um, they're, they they feel like you know they've got running backs who can do different things. You got a downhill guy, you've got a bruiser guy, you've got a guy who's shifty, uh, and so they're going to be using all of them in, in in certain roles and in different situations based on down yardage, distance, and time, and all that. Um, the thing that really will help them out the most is that they have a lot of the returning defense back. You remember last year in a lot of games that they lost, it was usually their offense you couldn't produce when they needed it the most. This year, they feel like they have the offense to put up the points, and they have almost nearly everybody coming back for defense this year, and that for them is going to be really their securing point in trying to get a lot of wins. Yeah, it's really strong linebacker core for them. Uh, great uh, experience in that uh, defensive presence. Uh, there, the question for me for for Mountain Crest is, the defense will be good, and they've got a lot of returning talent. What will the offense be like for them? Will they be able to generate enough offense to give uh, the get themselves enough points to to win games? Uh, they do have an experienced offensive line, uh, but there is a question about quarterback. There's a quarterback competition going on there, so. Um, yeah, what that for me is the biggest question for the Mustangs. They can get that offense figured out. Yeah, gonna they're going to be very, very, very good. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, let's go. Let's just go north from there. So Ridgeline would be next, going from Hiram to Millville. Uh, but Jason Lee is back. Um, there were a lot of changes in coaches in Region Eleven, but um, that that not a lot of change there. You know, it's going to be interesting with with. You're talking about Ridgeline, right? No, so, with Ridgeline now there is a coaching change. Travis Van Leeuwen. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry, I was kind of confused there. Uh, yeah, no, with Ridgeline it's going to be interesting. Travis Van Leeuwen, after one year and a successful one, nine and two record at Logan High, he now goes to Ridgeline with a ton of talent. I mean, really, there's a really good amount of talent, um, and it's inexperienced from last year though. I mean, they they do. I believe they lost their. I mean, they're in a quarterback competition, but they lost their starting quarterback from last year. Is that right? Right. Yep. So, but at the same time, when it's all said and done about this team, I mean, they got they got some guys returning defensively. Uh, I know Caden Cox, a sophomore quarterback, is in a competition with, is it a senior or a junior? Riker Jensen, he's a senior. A senior this year. And Caden Cox is, uh, Travis Cox, a former USU quarterback, is that his son? Yes. So I mean, it's it. That's where things kind of get interesting. Is and it, for it sounds like it's a neck and neck competition. Um, that both have actually been really done really well here in camp. Um, but what it all comes to me down is that Travis Van Leeuwen just took a a Logan team, and from an abysmal season, took him to a nine and two record and a state playoff appearance in one year. In one season, he did that. I can only imagine what he's going to do with Ridgeline. Yeah, I'm yeah. really intrigued by that. It, it just that storyline alone gives me hope that Ridgeline could have a com, a competitive year of football after missing the playoffs last year. The thing that might help, uh, well, that will help that the quarterback situation is that there is a very experienced offensive line. It could be the real strength of their offense, and they've also got the, another Demuni. The Demuni family produces great talent. Uh, he's running running back. He already has offers from BYU and Utah State. Um, and uh, Cameron Dolly, he's a tight end and uh, was a big target last year and, and is expected to be a big part of their offense again this upcoming season. So that's a little bit about Ridgeline and new head coach there with Travis Van Leeuwen. Let's next go to Logan, also a new coach there. Bart Bowen is the new head coach, and this is for the Logan players, their third head coach in three seasons. 
I feel bad for the players. I do. Because every year it's a little bit something different. Yeah. But Logan defied a lot of expectations last year, so hopefully there's some of that momentum can help carry them well, this, this and, next year. And the thing is, they had a really talented quarterback in Johnny Parkinson, and this year they have a new quarterback, they have a new coach, it's a new system, they're not going to be a spread, they're going to kind of dumb things down a little bit, go into a couple of other multiple offenses, uh, defense will be just a tad different as well. It's so tough. For, and you know what's crazy is that every high school coach will say, well, it's about the kids. But in the end, it almost ends up that it's not about the kids, that it's about mom and dad and the coaches. And it's so unfortunate because those kids do deserve good things. They deserve it. They deserve to have the best. And unfortunately, things like this happen. Um, you know, Bowen is a, was a one-year coach at Conwood, left Conwood to come to Logan. So obviously, he sees something. Um, but he's optimistic about this team and what they're learning. Uh, Ethan Wilson, the former Mount Crest kid, transferred over to Logan. Uh, sounds like he's the front runner. He's the only senior. Uh, sounds like he'll be the lone front runner for the QB spot. He'll take it. But uh, sounds like he's he's still learning a lot of things as well at this position. Yeah, and I don't know that it's necessarily guaranteed that it's his. Um, I think that uh, a couple other guys competing: Cooper Pond, Kellen Roper. They're also competing for that quarterback uh, job. Um, but this is a team that's going to, I think, rely heavily on Cade Thornley. Uh, he was a quarterback when he was a sophomore, but um, they've got him running at the at running back position. Really great talent. Coach Bowen, very high on him. They also have three returning offensive linemen that's going to really help. Um, but they've got a lot of talent coming back on defense. Six returning starters on defense. Um, Isaac uh, Larson, one of those guys, Ike. Uh, he has an offer from USU, a great cornerback. They also have a great uh, linebacker in Chris Schottbell. Um, so, but they do—they don't have a lot of experience on their defensive line. So, uh, it'll really be interesting to see how that line comes together and if they're able to get any kind of a push against their opponents. Yeah, and, and again, if they can, if they can force some what the heck, if they can force some pressure. Um, sorry, what I don't do know what force over there. Shut up! Stop it! Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> if they can force the issue defensively, then they'll be able to create some trouble. That way, they'll have a chance. Like Mountain Crest, actually, sorry. Oh, yeah, like Mountain Crest in last season, it's going to have to rely a lot on defense this year. It's just how it's going to be. If the defense can perform, they're going to be in some games. I don't know how many they're going to win, but if you give yourself a chance late in the fourth, you never know. All right. We're going to call a quick timeout. When we come back, the other three teams in Region 12, Bear River, Green Canyon, and Skyview, and give our preseason predictions for Region 12. It's all coming up next on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. A new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Franson, Ajay Salveson, Full Court Press, continuing, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. Streaming online, 106.9thefan.com. It's where you can also go find podcasts of our previous shows. Like Monday's show, we had exclusive audio from Coach Gary Anderson, DJ Williams, and CLC Mariner. 
which we would highly recommend go back and listening to mm. because uh, the reactions from their first closed scrimmage. So go check that out online. Uh, giving our previews of Region 11 football teams, we've talked about Mountain Crest, Ridgeline, and Logan. Let's now talk about Bear River. Go over the hill to Bear River. And uh, this is a team that um, has a lot of guys coming back. There was a big switch that was made at the end of the year to try to make a big difference. Uh, a lot of seniors on, on defense. Uh, but this is a team that had 10 starters uh, or 10 players who started the final three games last year and are all coming back. So uh, there's a, a lot of experience coming back. Uh, but this is a team that did struggle to score points last year. So that's really the big question for me, for for the Bears, is can they figure some things out to get some offense going to get into the end zone? Yeah, and that's a great question to ask, is, is, is can this team uh, continue? I mean, look, it, their defense came through multiple times for them last year to, to bail them out of a win when their offense just was in a rut. The question this year, and I'm going to go ahead and just be forthright and say it, is... Coach Weiss willing to make changes when needed to to help benefit his team. Because he does have a thing where he sticks with seniors. And he is a senior-laden kind of guy. But when it comes to when things aren't working out, you know you need to make a change. Is he going to make that change? If he does, and it's a positive change, the team's going to benefit from it. If you can't make a change, and you're just going to be sitting in that rut, you're going to be it's going to be another disappointing year. And from, you know, it's you can only have so many of those until people are like, look, enough's enough. we got to move on. Oh, he, to his credit, he did make a change like that the, the last three games of the season. But the problem is that was the last three games of the season. Right. Well, so your your point is make that be willing to make that change sooner. When it needs to be, and you know it needs to be done. Yeah, but this is a team that only has four returning starters on defense because uh, a lot of those switched seniors to only play defense last year, try to give his team a chance to win some more games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, a lo- there's not as much experience on the defense. But um, so that that's where it can be a little bit different. I think the experience they have on offense may be easier to get into the end zone, but not stop other teams from getting into the end zone. Uh, Ren Fonsbeck's a quarterback. He started half the games last year, and he's, uh, from what we understand, tabbed to be the starter. Uh, heard him a little bit last night on the coaching community show. Uh, but um, and he looks like he's going to have a pretty experienced offensive line in front of him. Yeah, he's and that's that's really the most beneficial part, right? Is when a quarterback can have someone, people in front that know what the situation is. Nothing's gonna phase them because they've been there, they've done that. You know, whether it's two minutes left on the clock and you got to score, whether it's that first half, end of the first half, or end of the game, it helps when you have, when you know you have a T or a line that you can trust, knows the calls, knows the adjustments that they need to make at the line when they need to make them. Uh, that's that's so huge. All right, uh, with less than two minutes to go, let's do this. We'll we'll give some some glimpse into Green Canyon. We'll continue the discussion about Skyview into next hour, and we'll also get into our predictions, our as we think it's going how it's going to play out for Region Eleven, one through six. Uh, so we got about a minute left, IJ. Just okay. Quickly about Green Canyon, a team that has a relatively new school. But now that in their third season, they've developed more and more experience coming back. They should have six returning on defense, 
Six returning on offense. Problem is, is the one guy who's not returning on offense is one of the most important guys. That's Jake Dagger, who has quit, who is no longer on the football team this year. So then things get turned over to Jake. Is it what is it? How's it? How do you say his last Jake name? Jake Lundeen. Lundeen, who who was the former running back, now turned quarterback. To operate an offense when you haven't been the quarterback is a chore. It is really, really tough. That's my biggest concern for them. Defensively, they're stout. They've got a lot of guys who are coming back who've seen plenty of minutes in varsity time, who have had plenty of production. Guys like Carter White will be a big one for them. Uh, Tanner Watson on the other side, the receiving side, he can do a lot of things for them offensively. But again, that quarterback position, when you lose your starting quarterback who's been there, done that, familiar with the team, and you have to bring in somebody else to do it, it's, it's going to make for some hard times. Yeah, it's tough. And there is some guys coming back on that offensive line who are returning starters, but Blaze Christensen is one of them. Had shoulder surgery. They're hoping that he's going to be ready to go by this Friday uh, and uh, be able to contribute, but he may be a little bit limited. So uh, Green Canyon, there's a, some question marks on that team uh, because of some injuries or guys that have been taken out because of injuries and not going to be available anymore. So that's uh, going to be an interesting situation. Craig Ander is still the head coach there uh, and uh, will be back for another season for the Wolves. Coming up next hour, we'll get into the Skyview Bobcats and give our predictions for Region 11. We'll also get into the stat that blew our minds and our player of the week. Who stood out to us over this past week with what they were able to do in their various sports. Also, just a reminder, Tour of Utah just wrapped up. There still may be some traffic issues going on around Green Canyon High School and the uh, the Ice Arena. We'll give more details coming up next hour here on the Full Court Press. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Every time I go online, it seems like the numbers on Dak Prescott go up. First, a report came out that he turned down $30 million. Then there was a story that he wanted $40 million. Of course, we haven't heard anything specific from the Cowboys or Prescott himself. So who knows what the actual dollars are? But the team and their quarterback seem to be playing a game of high-stakes poker. The problem for the team is the price of quarterbacks. Multiple guys are over $30 million. Not that Prescott is not good maybe as good as uh, Russell Wilson or Ben Roethlisberger, but quarterback contracts build on each other. The next guy up cashes in. That explains why Kirk D. Cousins became one of the highest paid players in history. Maybe you're not sold on Prescott, but what are the Cowboys going to do now? They're likely too good to be in a position to draft one at the top of the draft. No matter how you feel about him, he's probably going to get paid, and that number's probably going to be high. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.